Welcome, this is New Taku, where we talk things anime and manga. We are not experts or gatekeepers, we're just fans trying to share our love with you. Feel free to interact with us on Instagram and Twitter at NewTakuCast, or email us questions and requests at NewTaku2019 at gmail.com. Listen to us on Podbean, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher and Spotify, and please subscribe and share. My name is Jim. And my name is Frank. Frank, how was your week? Jim, my week, you know what? It was it was fantastic. I uh, I did a lot of sitting around. I watched a lot of anime, and I cleaned up a small green area right outside of my apartment. I wouldn't call it a park. That's a little too generous, but uh, it's a this long stretch of green patch that had a lot of trash. I got myself a scooper. And I scooped it up, and really, I'm a hero, so I just need somebody to know about it. Uh, so I'm going to tell everyone here that I'm a hero, and uh, that I clean the earth. I need a hero! <laughs> exactly, yeah. And then, uh, you know, a few days later, there was a lot more trash. So it just returned back to the earth. Yay, Philadelphia. <laughs> How are you, Jim? What have you been up to? I'm going crazy. I can't take it anymore. I need I need to go back to normalcy, the new normal. I can't handle the new normal. <laughs> yeah, I'm fine. <laughs> I'm uh, still I'm still playing Stardew Valley. Oh yeah, did you get uh did you get past winter and then uh planting your potatoes? Uh you can't plant. I don't think you can plant anything in winter. There's nothing to plant. I went to the store, they had no seeds. I'm in year two of summer now. Oh, I have all the. <laughs> Go ahead. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. No. Yeah. So, are you are you starting to find out like the? Because there's a lot in this game for people who don't know. There's like a lot of mechanics and a lot of things going on. So, are you kind of starting to find your footing? Yeah, you have to pretty much. This is all crash and burn. Like you have to find out on accident. Like I was collecting all these notes. I didn't realize that I I got a specific hoe. The silver hoe or bronze hoe, so I could dig the dirt up better. But if you dig up where the worms are sticking out, you get stuff. I didn't know this. You don't find out until like you accidentally do it. And then uh, I kept getting these notes, secret note, secret note. I didn't know what the hell it was. And then I got a magnifying glass, and it said you can read the secret notes. But it doesn't tell you how to do it. So I'm just stockpiling all these secret notes. And then eventually I just like... Put it in my in my you know one of the secret notes in my little uh, inventory, and I clicked on it, and boom, I was able to read it. So it started like giving me all these map spots and hints and what everybody's favorite 
gifts are because you have to give people stuff on their birthday and make them your friend. So it's it's actually kind of like a little puzzle, which it's kind of fun. I mean, I'm kind of waning on my excitement to play it because legit, I'm at a point where farming is a fucking chore, man. It's like 20 minutes of me watering plants. And I don't want to, I, I really, I want to run around. I want to go into the cave. I want to go fishing. I want to do all this other stuff you can do. But to keep my plants alive and to make money, and I am making a shit ton of money right now, I have to do all this work. It's like real life. Yeah, I feel like that's what took me out of that game was that it does start to devolve and then you kind of have this moment where you realize that you're just essentially doing virtual chores instead of real ones. And uh, I guess it depends, like, where you're at. Like, that game in particular, the I think the pro and the con, like you kind of touched upon, is that it basically tells you nothing. It launches the game, and you just have to figure everything out for yourself. Yeah, I was, when I first started harvesting crops and everything, I was just selling everything because I didn't have any money. And then as the year goes on, like, certain people like certain things, and you can't get it unless you farmed it. So it's like, oh, this person likes pumpkins. Well, I haven't had a pumpkin in months. Like, I sold them all for cash. So I ended up, I, I've got a whole system where, like, I keep, because there's a star system, so it's like no stars, silver star, gold star, purple star, and each one is worth more money accordingly with purple being the top. So I save all the ones that have no stars, and I sell all the starred stuff, so this way I can make money. It's 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 pretty it's pretty involved for such a simple like basic you know eight bit sixteen bit game. I mean, so I'm in year two. I have all the crab traps. I'm a crab trapper now, man. I got crab traps all over the place. I'm just going in, checking my crab traps. Forget about fishing. Who needs to fish? I'm dropping these crab traps. And then I take, and you get trash sometimes. You take the trash. I got two recycling machines. You put the trash in the recycling machine in like 12 hours. It spits out iron bars and stuff. I made it to mine level 55, but I'm at a point where I'm fighting ghosts and I can't kill them. I got three kegs, so I'm making booze. I've got four preserve jars, five mayonnaise makers, two cheese makers, four chickens, four cows, a mushroom cave, a maple, pine, and oak tree farm, and two people love me. And you know how they love me? Because they love alcohol, and they're the easiest people to get you to love. You just hand them beer all the time. And they're like, oh, I love you. You're the best dude ever. You want to go on a date? Wow. Okay. So uh, that that totally beats my week, I will say. I think you, you, uh, you, you did a lot. You're a hero in real world. I'm a hero in Stardew Valley. I am working to get a barn so I can get sheep and goats, but it seems like a lot of work. The craziest thing about that game is, I think, I could be wrong in saying this, but I'm pretty sure that one guy made this game. I think that's correct. I think it was just like, uh, he bashed it together and then just started tweaking it and adding more stuff to it. Yeah. I know it's a hit. Yeah, it's definitely a hit. That that dude is... Uh, that's crazy. I mean, more power to him. I'm sure he's making boatloads of money, and good for him because creativity and work that must have went into making that game is insane. Yeah, and the dialogue, having to write all that dialogue. There's a lot of dialogue in the game. I mean, a lot of it's repetitive, but once you get to certain points, there's, like, cutscenes, you know, their version of a cutscene. But they have, like, some pretty dark stuff going on. The one guy's, like, talking about suicide and stuff. Like, it's, you know, and Dad's been gone forever, and the kids miss him, and like kind of real you know for as simple as it is it's it's fun i mean i i can see it starting to 
unless there's a, a an easier system to for me to do the, all this farming, I think I might start to be like, I can't be doing this every day. I did finish season one of Buffy the Vampire Slayer. I said last week that I was going to start watching Buffy the Vampire Slayer because my wife watched Neon Genesis Evangelion with me. So I started. So I, we blew through Buffy the Vampire Slayer season one. It was 12 episodes. And what, what's, your, uh, what's your quick review of it? All right. First of all, Xander is the fucking worst. <laughs> that dude sucks so bad. He's got all these good one-liners, but he's such a prick, and he's so selfish. And he's got this weird, like, incel thing going, like, he hides, like, mm, no girls like me. I wonder why. Because you're a jerk. That's why, Xander. <laughs> and also, there's plenty of, like, Nazi jokes and references, which is kind of weird by today's standards. Like, at one point, Buffy's like, oh, it's he's, like, uh, is he, like, a Nazi or something? Meaning, like, you know really works you hard, I guess, like talking about a teacher in like a derogatory sense. And Willow goes, Heil. I was just like, whoa, whoa, you, 1996, whoa. So that's probably my favorite part about Buffy right now is that there's definitely some things, and granted, I haven't rewatched any of it in like a while, but I do recall that there's some stuff that has not aged well. Yeah. I mean, that's bound to happen. I mean, it's 25 years now. Oh, 25 years. Since it debuted. 95, 96. Uh, I've also only seen one person of color in the show so far. I'm now in season two. And he was a vampire, and he died. <laughs> well, bu- buckle up. Are you are you going through... Uh, are you, like, committing to watching the whole series? Oh, yeah. I'm going to watch the whole series, and I'm going to give everybody an update. I'm hoping to have season two done by next next episode. Okay. I mean, it, it kind of increases. Like, first season is, like, 12 episodes, but some of those episodes are pretty damn bad. Oh, man, there's this episode where Xander becomes, like, a hyena. Oh, my God, it's so uh, stupid. Like, you know, it's, I mean, my wife and I were both agreeing, and she loves the show. And she's, you know, she warns me ahead of time. Like a lot of these shows are. It's long-running shows. you got some hit and miss. I mean, I love X-Files, but there's a lot of stinkers in X-Files. But... Yeah, he's he like gets possessed by high by a hyena spirit. Oh god, it's so stupid. <laughs> now, my favorite character. I'm sorry. Are you going me. to watch Angel at all too? Has she got you roped into that or? Uh, no, she hasn't oh. roped me into that. Uh, I did find out that Cordelia is in Angel, and I got to say, my two favorite characters on the show are are Giles and Cordelia. I love Cordelia. She's amazing. She's such a like a dumbass dick. It's amazing. She sticks to that shtick even when she becomes eventually she becomes spoiler alert. This this show is twenty five <laughs> years old. Eventually she becomes part of the nerd group and she's friends with them. At first she's just like a bully. She becomes part of the nerd group, but she's so disconnected from everything and so self centered that she makes me laugh every time she's on the screen. But I heard she's in Angel, so I'm kind of in, I'm kind of interested. Angel is like he's so wishy washy, man. Like. I don't know if I like him or not. He's just so mopey. Like I'm pretty, I'm a pretty emo, emotional guy. This guy's got me beat. Like he's a sulker. He's always sulking. The guy's two hundred forty some years old, and he's sulking over some some girl, a teenage girl that he likes. Because no matter how young you look, you're still two hundred forty years old. You've lived for two hundred forty years. Your experience hasn't made you able to not get jealous of a teenage girl. Which is another weird thing is that he's 
making out with teenage girls. You know what I mean? I guess he should be finding girls his own age that are 240 years old. Right. He should be looking for, like, in a, you know, I guess a retirement home is the closest that he's going to be able to get to that age. He's super into brooding. I, I yep. do agree. Yeah. But I just got introduced to Spike. Spike just showed up. And I know uh, my wife is really hot on Spike. So he just, that was the last episode we watched was Spike's introduction, his first episode. So, okay. So season two is definitely like, even, I guess we're four episodes into season two. There's 12 episodes in season one. I think there's 24. It's like 24 going forward. Four episodes in, and season two's already, like, miles beyond what season one was, which you expect in a show that's like, hey, we're giving you a second season, and here's a bunch of money. Also, the music. The, the theme song is amazing. The theme song is very good, yes. <laughs> <laughs> it's so good. Nerd her, uh, Nerf Herder. Speaking of Nerf Herders, it's it's uh, Star Wars Day. Isn't it, it is. Jim, may, may the fourth be with you. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, 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 sure, sure. <laughs> Well, actually, uh, well, actually, about something that that joke loaded. Uh, All right, Frank, you want to get into you this? You know what? I'm ready. I got my uh, my diving cap on. I'm ready to dive right in. Well, we, we, we you know we start with you uh, with shows, so uh, let's get right into this. So, so we selected a bunch of shows a few weeks ago for our official spring Nutaku 2020 watch list, or it would be spring. 2020 Utaku watch list, that would make sense, which we encourage our listeners to watch along with us. Go back and listen to what you can hear how we got to this list. So, any shows, Frank, that you are watching that are not on our list? Besides other stuff for the podcast, go ahead. So, my answer to that is no. No, I'm not. (laughs) (laughs) What about you, Jim? I knew that was coming. Yeah. All right. So I, I'm sticking with the house spirit to Tommy John. It's still terrible, but it's five minutes, so I'm going to stick with it. I'm taking this boat to the bottom. Wait, wait, wait. So are you so are you watching it if it's terrible and you're not enjoying it? Is it more like a checklist thing because it's so light and it's only five minutes that you can just be like, oh, I, I watched it. It's It's goofy, and the animation is goofy enough that that I, it kind of, like, makes me want to watch it. And the scenarios aren't funny, but I don't know. There's something weird about it that I, I've kind of... It, I don't know. It's kind of like watching... It's like enjoying a commercial, almost. <laughs> like, oh, I really like that commercial. Like, who, what? What do, you, what do you mean? That's what I'm doing right now. I'm putting myself through this thing. Like, she went to a karaoke bar, and these creepy people kept coming in and making fun of her because she was in there by herself. So it was five minutes of the same joke of them coming in and making fun of her for singing a song. The song was funny. It was like about um, uh, I'm all alone and my soul is leading me or something. It was something ridiculous. So, But the, the song was cute and funny, but the show itself is not funny at all. I, I don't know why I'm doing this to myself. <laughs> all right. Also, and I recommend this, Extra Olympia Keep Close. It's the claymation animation a guy from Greece gets gets transported to modern-day Tokyo, or not modern-day, 60s Tokyo. It is really funny. I highly recommend it, especially the songs at the end of the show. It's like how to learn Greece, Greek, but it takes stuff from the show, and it's sung like a, a Japanese lounge singer. The show is very, very funny. I 
and it's only five minutes. I recommend that one. Extra Olympia, keep close. I'm going to go and watch that today because I actually totally forgot that we were getting that in the States. So I will watch that, yes. They're so stuck. Like, he goes to Japan, and they're like, um, I mean, he's a, I'm, I'm not going to give anything away. They're, he talks about Olympics, you know, and the Olympics and everything like that. And one of the running gags of the show is that, you know, ancient Olymp- Olympiads, they got nude. Or they would tie their penises up. But they were basically naked. So it's a running joke in the show where he's running around naked and everybody's just like, why are you naked? What is going on here? It's very funny. I recommend it. All right, Frank, you ready to get into this? Jim, I'm ready. All right. We're going to start with A Hero No Sora, streaming on Crunchyroll and High Dive. There's 50 episodes continuing from, believe it or not, summer of 2019, Frank. The studio is Diomedia, who did Domestic Girlfriend. The source is a manga by Takeshi Hinata. Jones. Marketing Jones. Drama, school, shonen, sports. Frank, explain to the listeners what shonen is. Shonen is geared towards young men, usually about overcoming the odds. Very good. Here's our synopsis. He may be shorter in stature, but Sora Kuromotani can soar and score on the basketball court. With a passion for sport he inherited from his mother, Sora vows to her that he'll take top prize at a high school basketball tournament. But there's one problem. His new school's basketball club has turned into a hangout for delinquents. Will Sora's sheer tenacity and amazing three-point shooting change their minds and get the club up and running again? Reminder to our listeners, new listeners, don't know how this goes. I was watching the show. I gave up on it. Frank is continuing to watch it. Frank, your thoughts on the beginning of spring 2020's continuing A Hero No Sora. All right. So this show is probably the show that I have now talked about the most on this podcast to date. Uh, There is not much change in what you had stopped watching, Jim, or kind of even where the last half left off. We're in the middle of the inter-high tournament, or at least the start of it, and I say the middle because uh, the past couple episodes have just been the same uh, match battle, I guess, if you want to put it like that in Shonen terms. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, no. <laughs> so, yeah, it's uh, it, it pretty much starts off, and it's, it's the same thing. They go against a new team. You kind of get introduced to the team a little bit that they're going against. You know, one or two of the characters have a little quick backstory, and uh, that's pretty much it. I mean, they're going up against each other. They, they start overcoming the odds a little bit. I've come to realize that this show has very little interest, at least in the way the anime is set up, in exploring so much of everyone's background. Uh, you know, we get Sora and his mom. They check in every once in a while, especially with the mother. And we get uh, Kite and his sister uh everybody else doesn't really have one i mean they're like they kind of touch on things they have relationships with people but it's it's really just about basketball uh that's all this show is uh it i i don't it's like i don't i don't hate it i'm still in the same way like i don't hate watching it it's very much like i guess now that i know what it's about i'm not expecting like huge character depth i'm not expecting uh, a lot of really uh, profound kind of things happening. 
it's just about one team coming together. They're going to fight another team. The other team might have some wacky characters. And uh, that's about it. And that's, like, what you're going to get. I don't know. This show has been going, or the, the manga has been going on for over 17 years. So even at 50 episodes, I mean, I, I feel like they could do this, you know, five times over and still barely catch up to, to the manga. So I guess that's kind of where it's at. Uh, overall, though, I mean, it, uh, now, like I said, now that I have gone through the motions and kind of know what to expect, it, it's not bad. Can I ask some questions about it? Yeah, sure. Go ahead. Um, has there been any, like, romantic storylines going on besides the you know red cheek crushes that go on no there uh it doesn't seem like they're they're going to do anything romantic in it i mean like you had said they they like it's like joking like uh uh the one guy chica i think his name is he he's like always into girls and stuff like that but it's a joke like it's there's no like substance to it i don't think that we're gonna get any sort of romance and and did we get any? Did you get anything about the two brothers? Why they ended up where they are? No, that is something that definitely has not been touched on much. I mean, they occasionally. So what they so far have utilized with the brothers is because they've been playing basketball together for so long. Um, they will use those characters as a way to kind of introduce characters on the other team and their history. So, like, the brothers will have played against a younger version of somebody on the opposite team and be like, oh, I remember this guy, like, when he was younger and he used to be a hothead and now he's kind of cooled down, he's, he's changed. And that's kind of how they've utilized them so far. Uh, I would be curious to see if they... If they kind of get more, I'm sure they will eventually. I don't know if they'll do it, you know, this season, but uh, yeah. Well, power to you, and I'm sorry you have to watch five episode basketball games in animated form. <laughs> oh, it's fine. I mean, it takes up, I guess, for the fact that there's no actual basketball. Not that I was watching that anyway, but. <laughs> All right, next up, we'll move on. Apare Ranman, streaming on Funimation and Hulu. We don't know how many episodes. The studio is PA Works. They did Frank's favorite show since we started watching, Fairy Gone. Yup. <laughs> uh, of course, I'm being sarcastic. The source is original. The genre's historical. Here's your synopsis. The story is set at the end of the 19th century on the eve of the next one. After a certain mishap, the brilliant but socially inept engineer, Sorano Apare, family name first, and the shrewd but cowardly samurai, Ishiki Kosame, find themselves drifting on a boat from Japan to America. Broke, the two decide to compete in the Trans-America Wild Race to win the prize and return to Japan. The two battle crazy rivals, outlaws, and the great outdoors itself as they race through the Wild West, from the starting line in Los Angeles to the finish line in New York, in the steam-powered car they built. Right, go ahead. So, uh, I should probably note that this show has, I think we got one, maybe two episodes since the last time we checked in with it. It looks like it's been uh, delayed until, I guess, indefinitely. We don't really know. 
Um, so unlike some of the other shows, it's kind of like behind the curve. Uh, that being said, it's uh, the, I really enjoy the character design and kind of the design of the backgrounds and the various cars that we've seen, or vehicles, I should say. Uh, the one episode, the last one, I think is three, was fun. You know, they kind of go up and they're, they're transforming the boat into a vehicle and they're going up against this uh, European character who's like the son of a prominent business uh, a businessman and you know he's got a very nice sleek looking car and they kind of they do like kind of a wacky race for I, I forget what the stakes were and uh, the music is good uh, I like the show I'm pretty excited for it I hope that we get to see some more of it soon but I'm not too optimistic about seeing it this season I tried to look it up I didn't see anything new in that regard but maybe maybe you know more than I do Jim yeah it's currently on hiatus due to COVID-19 and there's no announced date so I would assume we're just just gonna I wouldn't hold my breath let's put it that way so because of that, we really haven't done much in the show except to introduce some of the characters. Uh, it is well animated, and the character designs are all like over-the-top cultural stereotypes, which look cool without seeming offensive yet. You know, so I do like the cars. Uh, I, they are CGI, but it, it looks fine. I like the whole steampunk thing. I'm not a big steampunk guy, but I like how it works in this in this world, especially the boat turned into a car. And uh, I'm a big fan of. Uh, uh, Ishiki, his jackass personality is really good. The samurai guy. Yeah, no, nah, he's great. And you did, you made a good point about uh, them. Kind of uh, some of the character design is a little stereotypical, but it, not in an offensive way. I think that's well put. Right, but we have a a uh, Chinese kung fu girl, like a busty Chinese kung fu girl. We have a Native American boy with purple hair, and I think in the preview there's like an african-american or african a guy of african descent in there too but i mean it doesn't seem like it's offensive not yet <laughs> we still have a lot to go we only watched three episodes so we'll see where we go with that hopefully not hopefully it sticks with what we're doing but i do enjoy it it's fun and, but we like i said we we're kind of still in the character building stage of it and uh we don't know when we're gonna keep going so next up arte it's pronounced arte you know i did a little work on this I've been known to listen to other podcasts, and without giving it away who it was, I was listening to one anime podcast, and he argued with this girl that it's art. It's pronounced art. You wouldn't say hate kotore. So I did a little research, and I know he's not listening. He's fucking wrong, because this happens in Italy, and the way you pronounce this word, A-R-T-E, in Italy, is arte. And the way you would say it, in uh, Katakana is Arte. So fuck you, pal. But he's not listening. But the show is art. Streaming. Streaming of Funimation. Listen, I've got a lot of time in my house to think about stuff alone. And my mind is constantly bubbling over and I drink too much caffeine and I'm really bored and we're like 40 days into this freaking COVID thing. So I might go off once in a while. Anyway. Arte. Streaming on Funimation. Hulu. It's 12 episodes. The studio is Seven Arcs. Uh, I think the most famous thing they did was Sekiri. Have you ever seen this? Sekiri? It's like a fighting anime. It was always recommended to me on like websites. Like Hulu would always recommend, on streaming sites, recommend Sekiri. And then I would look up and I was like, oh, the show isn't very good. The source is the manga by Kei Okubo. 
the Jones, historical and Sanin, Frank. Sanin. Sanin is is meant for uh, older males, usually a little more serious in tone. Sorry, you got through that faster than I expected. I had a mouthful of liquid. Yes. Very well done. All right. Our synopsis. As provided by the internet. The story follows a young girl named Arte as she works to become an artist of the time, battling gender norms and the expectations of our aristocratic family. Above all that, Arte just wants to follow her passion and become an artist. So this show has a nice character development between Leo and Arte at a, at a pretty moderate pace. It seems to be mainly just about those two. They've in- introduced some kind of uh, side characters, like we get a... Uh, we get a... Um, I forget what her name is. She's like a courtesan, like a prostitute. And then we get some uh, character who supplies them with uh, money. A patron. I'm sorry, I, I completely blanked there. But... Um, you know, it seems to be mainly about those two. They get some nice development, moderate pace. It lays out some interesting factoids uh, without spending too much time on it, so it's nice to kind of learn about patrons, courtesans, and daily life in 16th century Florence, which is enough to kind of keep me watching. I am a little concerned that it might start to, I don't want to say, like, devolve, but I guess devolve into a, a strictly romance sort of thing, which they've kind of played with early on. The last episode didn't really have it as much. Um, because I don't... I think that would be a little strange for me. I, I just kind of don't see that relationship happening, at least the way that I perceive these characters. Um, you know, maybe that's the way that it's intended, but uh, I would kind of be, I guess, disappointed if they, they, they go to that route. But uh, uh, I'm enjoying it. It's it's not bad. I uh, agree with you completely on that point. Um, I think they, uh, just without spoiling the show or anything, um, they've set up this whole, like, Arte is bucking these gender norms and class norms, and she goes and she meets this courtesan, this prostitute, and she eventually tells her that she has crush, like, crush feelings for Leo. But the prostitute basically tells her, which is what I think the story is about, is that, you know, to fall for a man in this time and age, you are giving up your life. You now have become his property, and you can't do that. If you want to become an artist, you can't do that. And I think that that episode set up the possibility of the crush romantic aspect, and I think they, they chopped the head off of that idea, which, which I really liked. She did have these crush thing, crush feelings, but you know she's got to disregard them for um, to pursue her own interests. I will point out, I do like the show. I will pr- point out, and I don't know if it's COVID related or whatever, that there was a huge decline in animation quality, like as episode two. Like episode one was really well animated. Episode two, like it was at times was bad. I was like, ooh man, what happened here? But it might be a fact that they have to outsource because of COVID. I don't know. That's just all speculation on my point, my part. Yeah, no, I could agree with that. I mean, I I typically kind of see from time to time, you know, that decline in animation just because they're trying to get so many people in with the first episode and kind of get you hooked. So I I, I get it, and especially, like you said, we don't know with everything going on, maybe there's something there. I personally love still seeing the the, uh, Universal logo every single time I watch an episode. 
<laughs> it's so strange and jarring. It's like, did I put on the wrong thing? What am I watching right now? <laughs> yeah, almost every time I, I feel like I'm like, wait, did I hit the wrong tab and I just started watching like a movie instead? But no. Yeah, am I watching an, am I watching one of those Marvel movies on uh on <laughs> on TNT on accident? Did I hit the wrong button. All right, next up. You ready? Yes. My show of the year. Diary of Our Days at the Breakwater, or Hukago Tebo Nishi. Streaming on Funimation, episodes, there's 12. The studio is Dogo Kobo, who did Asteroid in Love, and the helpful, helpful Fox Senko-san, which apparently is still going on and is very popular. The source is a manga by Yasuyuki Kosaka, and the genres, comedy, school, seinen, Slice of Life. Frank, you want to tell the listeners what Slice sure, of Life is? Sure, Slice of Life, you know, it's like uh, everyday happenstance. What you would go through normally in life, that Slice of Life. Well done. The series show, uh, synopsis, the series follows Hina Suru, Surugi, a first-year student who moves to a town by the sea. While Surugi is more of an indoor kid who enjoys things like arts and crafts, she is suddenly thrown into the world of fishing when an older student, Yuki Kuroiwa, invites her to be a part of the school's fishing club. Now, I'm watching this. Frank is not. Frank vetoed being a, having to watch this show. The octopus scene, I think, scared him off. All right, so this show is everything I want from those other cute girl shows that we've watched. And we've not liked many of these cute girl shows. Uh, Asteroid in Love is one of them. Uh, it's funny and awkward and cute and educational and moving. It's everything that was missing from Asteroid in Love. Like, there was nothing interesting, in my opinion, about Asteroid in Love. And this has aspects of it that are interesting. It's, the girls are building connections, and I want Kina to eventually overcome her fear of touching creepy stuff. And uh, I can't wait for the episode where she's no longer afraid of wharf roaches, because that's a running joke in the show. Ro- roaches climb on her, and she turns white and dies. And she also does this thing where she stabs, I think I talked about it before, she has a little pincushion because she used to knit. She used to knit. That was her hobby, and she wanted to join the knitting club. But she got roped into joining the fish club, so she has this little uh, pincushion, and when she <laughs> touches something creepier, she gets stressed out. She starts stabbing it with a pin, repeating the words, repeating words over and over again. It's pretty good. I, I think it's very cute, and I think it's very funny. And it's actually well animated for something as simple as a fishing show. Can I, can I, ask, uh, can I ask a question? So yeah. with this show, you know, like fishing is typically seen as a very kind of calming pastime, meditative. Is there are there like uh, any sort of I don't want to say like intense stakes, but like is there anything drawing like is the club gonna run out of money or something like that, or is it just simply about these girls fishing and you kind of learning a little bit more about fish and fishing in general? Well, they kind of I mean, like I said, uh, I I don't know if I mentioned it. Um, this show has also, along with Apartment, has been suspended due to COVID-19. So I think we only got three episodes of this, so we haven't really gotten into any possible stakes. But they do hint at the fact that not as many people join anymore, and that's why they had to rope this girl in. And um, so I guess there's a possibility of the club not existing anymore. But besides that, it's just it's girls going and fishing and catching fish and... Hina being afraid of everything, and the girls are really cute, and they're all like different shapes and sizes, like anime does with girl shows. But uh, 
but it actually I actually care about it. I care where they go. Okay, I'm happy to hear it. Next up, Fruits Basket Season 2, streaming on Crunchyroll and Funimation. There's 25 episodes, which means we're going to be going into summer. The studio's TMS Entertainment. They brought us Dr. Stone, Megalobox, and all the, all the Detective Conan, uh, Conan stuff. All TMS Entertainment. The source is a manga by Natsuki Takaya. And the genres? Comedy, drama, fantasy, romance, shoujo, Frank? Shoujo, usually for younger women, uh, kind of a, usually a little more geared towards romance and relationships. Well done. And slice of life. The synopsis. I got a new synopsis. I found another one. Okay. All right. All right. All right. Let's go. Did you ever hear this thing called Google? It's amazing. After the death of her mother, young Honda Toru has been secretly living on her own in a tent. Her life changes forever when she stumbles upon the secret of the Suma family, whose land she has been living on. The secret is a curse that changes some members of the family into animals of the Chinese zodiac when they are hugged by someone of the opposite sex. Now living with the Suma family, Toru is in the middle of ancient conflicts between Zodiac rivals as she wears the burden of the Soma family secret. Despite this, the members of the Soma family find peace thanks to the presence of Toru. I like that. I like that synopsis better. Frank, go ahead. What do you think uh, about? Season two. Of I like that basket. synopsis too. Uh, this show, so it, it seems mm. like it hasn't missed a beat since the first season. If I was to have started this show now and just kind of binged everything up into the point we're at, I don't think I would have noticed any sort of changes. They continue to do what they do best, which is I think they have these episodes that focus on, you know, one or two characters and you kind of they they build these characters up and up and we're slowly given more and more about each, and as I had mentioned, and I think you did as well last time we talked about this, you know, the cast is the cast is huge now. They have a lot of characters, and I, I'm excited to see where kind of they all end up. I don't have any really complaints with this season, except for the fact that it seems like Toru has sort of taken a step back from where she was in season one where I think she was, at least as of now, she was a little bit more prominent in Season 1. In Season 2, she seems to be there more as kind of like, uh, sort of like a binding agent to kind of put two characters together in place, which I guess has kind of always been her part since she brings everybody together. But at times, she just kind of seems to be there just to be there physically, and then other characters are interacting, which is fine. I mean, I don't have too much of a problem with it, but it, it is that is different from Season 1. Yep, we have more Fruits Basket. I can't agree with your first statement more. It seems a seems connection between season one. Uh, we're starting to see more feelings develop for from Yuki and Kyo towards Toru, which is interesting. Um, this is a pretty strong season for shows, and I agree with everything you said. I really do like this show. But I think the continuing nature of the show, we're going to have 25 episodes and two more seasons going on, that it kind of, fly, you know, we, when you watch these shows and they pop up, and a lot of times, uh, in particular this season, we don't have many shows that happen on, like, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday. They all seem to drop on Saturday and Sunday. 
that this kind of gets a priority behind some of the newer shows. Just And it has nothing to do with how good the show is. It has more to do with the fact that I know this is going on, and it's going to go on for a long time, where I, the newer shows, I know most of them cut off at 12 episodes, and it jumps priority for me. It's not a reflection on the show itself. We're just getting more Fruits Basket. Also, there's some interesting questions about the Soma family that were hinted at, that we're getting more of a look at in this season. And like you said, Toru has almost taken a back seat. She's there, but we're learning more about what goes on within the walls of the Soma family. And do we, the Soma, does the Soma family live in a world of like incestual sign marriages? I think they might. And, you know, that's my guess theory. We'll see where it goes. I mean, this show has a lot of questions and has a lot of characters that they mention by name that we've never met or we've only seen slight like shots of them or minor scenes. But this show is really good and I do recommend it. We recommended it in season one and I, I think it's it's still going strong. What do you think? Yeah, it definitely hasn't departed in quality at all. I, I think like you had said with the Soma family, there's so many questions about every individual character and even ones we haven't been introduced to, and then kind of the Soma family and almost like the world on the whole in this universe, because it almost seems like the Soma family has, like, uh, they definitely have some sort of control over things outside of themselves. You know, we kind of get this, uh, this starting to get this feeling that maybe... They're a little bit more involved in, say, like politics and things like that, that they might just have more influence than was kind of originally noted in the first season, where you kind of just see them as this family that employs people, but we don't really know to what extent the size of that is. And I think, like you had mentioned, we're kind of starting to see that and sort of the the dimensions at play with various sorts of characters. And it's interesting. Every time I start to kind of wind down on something, though, they throw either a new character in there or they decide to explore a character that we haven't seen in, like, ten episodes. And I'm like, oh, okay, cool. Yeah, I'd say the Soma family definitely has some kind of financial... Like, they, they have a massive complex that they live in, not to mention the house that Yuki, Kyo, and Toru live on which is on a whole other area. So they have to be an influential family, and they have to have a lot of money. And it's the interesting things like that that they don't tell you about, that they just hint at, without even mentioning it by word. They just show you images, is what hooks me into the show and makes me want to learn more. I love it. I think it's a great show. Next up. Gal and Dinosaur. Or Gal to Kyoryu. 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 Streaming on Funimation, 12 episodes. The studio is... Two of them. It's Kamikaze Duga, who did Pop Team Epic and Batman Ninja. Frank, I've asked you about Batman Ninja. You're a comic book guy. Have you ever seen Batman I've seen Ninja? clips of it. I heard it was all right. It wasn't bad. You watched it, didn't you? <laughs> it is crazy! You should definitely watch it. I mean, once again, it's not a thing where I'll say it's good. It is definitely wild as shit and is a must-watch, especially if you're an anime fan and a Batman fan. Oh, it is out there, man. <laughs> And Space Neko Company, which is a company made by the manga writer. The manga uh, was written by Moriko Mori and illustrated by Kota Tomimura. Lejeune's Comedy, Seinen, and Slice of Life. Our synopsis. The story begins when a gyaru named Kaede picks up a dinosaur and begins living with it in her room. 
The dinosaur eats human food, watches TV, and even enjoys being fashionable. Frank. <laughs> so I don't, I, I don't even know what really is going on with this show. Uh, you know, it's it's style is it's split in two. We get half of it as an animated segment. The back end of it is a live action segment. In the middle, we usually get some sort of like claymation shorts and then kind of random things. Uh, I the none of it really vibes with me. I mean, the live action scenes are the things that I focus on the most, probably because it's the most jarring in terms of what we traditionally watch for the podcast, and even in the season in general, we don't get a whole lot of live action things. And uh, it definitely seems like they take some influence. From Adult Swim, particularly, you know, Tim and Eric, it seems there's one episode in particular, I want to say it's like three, where there's a lot of, like, jarring cuts, and it's very quick, and it's like, you know, uh, faces are kind of multiplying, and they're doing kind of this ridiculous sort of thing, and I'm actually a fan of the, the Tim and Eric style, I'm pretty sure you're not, Jim, but I could be wrong on that one, um, and... It, I don't know if it's like a cultural thing or if it's just not done well or if it's just not my cup of tea, but the live action stuff is is kind of boring for me. Uh, the show is like fine in smaller doses. It still seems very much like it's trying to sell the dinosaur character more than anything. Um, I'm not I'm not really too into it. What do you think, Jim? Uh, it's uh, bizarre, and it's not bizarre in a way that like it's entertaining um and to answer your question i do not like tim and eric at all as a matter of fact i don't find i never laughed once watching that show i find it mean the comedy to be mean especially towards the people who obviously have some kind of learning disabilities that are on the show or what's wrong with them i don't know what's going on but it seems like they they're the butt of the joke and they don't get in on the joke but to get off that um i i, I enjoy the the claymation little shorts they're interesting um I, I i i don't know what's there was an episode with the the two girls that worked together went out to the to they went out together and hung out and got drunk at the at the at the apartment and then there's like a boyfriend and there's no real storyline to the show just a bunch of shorts about the dinosaur and the dinosaur doing things and you know hijinks and it's afraid of cats that's all i got I mean, I'm, I don't know whether I like the show or not. It's not very good. Yeah, I mean, you made a good point there. Uh, I want to touch on that real quick, which is there seems to be some semblance with the animated parts where they want to kind of do a larger story arc, but it just seems so kind of random, and we don't really get any... It's not flushed out at all. You're just, oh, okay, this is the ex-boyfriend, and the ex-boyfriend likes the co-worker, but then the ex-boyfriend just kind of disappears. Uh, I don't know. It, it's, yeah, it's just not for me. Yeah, they had, I think they had three episodes about Christmas. Like, I don't, what, what, were you just reliving, it's Groundhog Day, or just reliving the same day over and over again? And the latest episode was about New Year. So, I don't, I don't know what's going on with this show. I mean, it's, it's, I won't say it's not well done. It is well done. It's seamless. The when the animation's there, it sticks to an animation style that looks good, and the claymation's done well, and the live action is crisp and clear, and everything about it's. I mean, it's well done. It just doesn't. I don't doesn't do it for me. Next up, Deep Near. Streaming on Funimation episodes? Question mark. We don't know. 
The studio is Pine Jam, who did a show called Gamers, which I never watched. The source is a manga by Soon Takeda. The Jones. The Jones. Action. Etchy. Frank, Etchy. Sexy. Playful. That's, that's... This show's definitely, <laughs> it's definitely, definitely described as sexy, this show. Uh, mystery. Seinen and Supernatural. Your synopsis, as provided by the internet. Shuichi Kaguya is a high school, is an ordinary high school kid in a boring little town. But when a beautiful classmate is caught in a warehouse fire, he discovers a mysterious power. He could transform into a furry dog with an oversized revolver and a zipper down his back. He saves the girl's life, sharing his secret with her. But she's searching for the sister who killed her family. She doesn't care how degrading it gets. She will use Shuichi to accomplish her mission. Alright, so this show, I think, has a bit of a pacing problem in the beginning. Uh, or maybe it's just me. I was kind of, like, out of it. So I would say probably the first two or three episodes, I was kind of like, where is this going? I'm not too heavily interested. It was kind of boring. And then we start to get kind of the rules of of the show and what exactly is going on. And, you know, they kind of pull back the curtain a little bit more and we kind of find out that there's monsters and aliens and powers and there's a whole system with coins and the coins are things and it, we're starting to get a little bit more into it and as as those things get revealed i find myself becoming a little more and more interested so i'm interested to see where it goes now and who knows this this might have the possibility of being a higher tier show for me personally uh but the pacing in the beginning was a was a bit of a problem a lot of slime uh a lot of underwear in this show and uh, it gets a little it, it gets a little strange at times. Without revealing too much, there's there's um, I, I I can't even really say it without uh, without really spoiling anything. It's a it's a unique show, I will say, at least from my experience. <laughs> what do you think, Jim? It's a cool concept. It's got good animation. Once uh, and there's enough questions for me to want to watch more. There's plenty of, like, puberty and sexual references, which makes sense in this show of this this ilk, a high school kids, you know, in the quote-unquote etchy uh, genre. Uh, this is a sexy-ass show. There is some sexy-ass shit going. Claire is often wet and in various stages of undress. We get lots of crotch and side and under-boob shots constantly for every woman in the show. Why don't we ever get under-dick shots, Frank? I don't know. I uh, uh, that's a good question. That's something that I feel like maybe we should pen a letter and uh, send it out to all the major studios. I need some side dick. <laughs> this this show does hit a, a good amount of um, uh, Future Diary Mirai Nikki chords to keep me interested, but like you said, um, we're starting to see like factions almost and. And, like, a driving story besides just background, because I think the first couple of episodes were just background. But we'll see how it goes, and we don't know how long it's going to go. we got question marks on the episodes. I don't know if this is going to be one season, one core, or what we're going to have. So hopefully we'll get some answers. But, yeah, I'm enjoying it so far, especially the animation. The animation's really good. But the fight scenes are pretty cool. Next up, Kaguya-sama, Love is War, Season 2, or Kaguya-sama wa Kukura Setai. Tensai Tachi no Renai Zunusen. 
which directly translates to this, Frank. Kaguya wants to be confessed to. The genius's war of hearts and minds. String of Funimation. Episodes, there's 12. The studio is A1 Pictures. This is the manga by Aka Akasaka. Say that five times fast. The Jones. Comedy, psychological, romance, school, insane. Synopsis. All's fair when love is war. Two geniuses, two brains, two hearts, one battle. Who will confess their love first? Kaguya and Miyuki are two geniuses who stand atop of their prestigious academy's student council, making them the elite among the elite. But it's lonely at the top, and each has fallen for the other. There's just one huge problem standing in the way of lovey-dovey bliss. They're both too prideful to be the first to convince, confess their romantic feelings and thus become the loser in the competition of love. And so begins their daily schemes to force the other to confess first. Frank. Season 2 seems bigger in a lot of ways than Season 1. Uh, it takes kind of place in a broader world, which I feel like gives it a new vibe than it had in Season 1. Um, you know, where Season 1 played a lot in kind of the... I guess it's like the meeting room that the student council meets in every day. That was like primarily the setting in Season 1. Season 2 seems to want to explore a lot more. We're getting kind of shots of the campus. We're going to bookstores. We're going to... You know, restaurants. Uh, I I'm guessing it, that has more to do with the story unfolding, and probably a little bit more to do with them maybe getting a little bit more money. Kind of uh, just because the animation quality seems to be a little bit better. They do things uh, a little bit differently, but still kind of have the same soul that season one had. You know, we're getting some new characters, which kind of helps add some death to a comedy, which I feel like is hard for a comedy because it's very easy for things to get stale. There's only so much you can do before you're like, okay, yeah, I, I get the joke. That's funny. But this season is still kind of the same as it was for me season one. I'm usually getting at least one really hearty chuckle or laugh every episode. Uh, you know, they're still kind of sticking to the same format. And uh, I still love that they're using kind of the narrator with that format. I think he's he's like a character in his own right, and it, it's it's fun. The show's the show's great. I, I love this show. Yeah, we've added some new characters, and then we got like Kaguya's maid Ai is going to try to seduce Miyuki and show her how easy it is and how she failed. And uh, Miyuki was going to leave his presidency, but got his mind changed when Kaguya asked him to. But then there's a new student who's like the daughter of a big judge who's going to run against him and steals Chica as our vice president. <laughs> so, so like new dynamics have been added to the show, which, you know, like you said, like you could see how this joke would get stale, it would get boring. But they've added new characters and just changed some of their like Chica's now almost against them. So it's I, it's a very funny show. It's the, the, the joke of them not being able to get together or convince or, or confess their love for each other can be frustrating, but it's, you know, in a funny and heartwarming way. And, yeah, it's continuing to be a very funny, funny show. Out loud laughter. Next up, Kakushi Goto, streaming on Funimation. Twelve episodes. The studio is Ajay Dole, who did Ascendance of the Bookworm. The source is a manga by Kumeta Koji, who did Root Paradise and Sayonara Zesubo Sensei. Which, uh, I've never read this, but I did a little, you know, it's, it's difficult to do, um, a little background checks on some of this stuff, uh, considering I haven't, you know, this is a beginner show and you don't want to spoil anything for yourself or for other people. 
And this, I read the, the synopsis of this uh, science horror show, and it's about a teacher who teaches a crew of misfits, like weird misfits, but he wants to commit suicide the whole time. And he just wants to kill himself, but he can't bring himself to kill himself because he loves these kids, which like was like immediately I wanted to go out and get this because it sounds wild as hell. So the Jones comedy shonen slice of life synopsis. The story follows a lonely mangaka, Kakushi Goto. He draws vulgar manga. The twist? Well, he has to hide the fact that this is his work, so his younger daughter, his young daughter, Hime, isn't exposed to its mature content. This slice-of-life comedy will explore the relationship between father and daughter and the plight of an adult manga creator. Frank, so this show, in my opinion, kind of has the perfect blend of humor and emotion with, uh, we're getting, we're starting to see these scenes where it's done in such a way where it's not completely clear when certain things are taking place. Usually towards the end, we're getting kind of these uh, emotional scenes where it appears as if the daughter is a little bit older and that this show may be her reflecting on her life in the past with her her dad and the hijinks that came from this, um, from him mainly, you know, uh, trying to keep this secret from his daughter. I The, the humor hits for me. I think the emotional beats they definitely hit for me, and I, I'm getting the feeling that this could this could end uh, this could end in a tearful way. Uh, I like the supporting cast. I think that they're funny. We haven't even really seen what kind of comic he draws. It's like lewd, but anytime we see images of it, it's just like a guy with underwear on his head, and it doesn't it doesn't <laughs> even seem to be that lewd. Which I'm curious to see if that's going to be like a broader joke where it's revealed that he is just actually kind of like super prudish with his daughter, and they're not even that lewd to begin with. Um, where she finds out and she's like, "Yeah, this isn't really that big of a deal." Uh, I, I mean, I've been, I'm enjoying it. It's definitely the top of the list right now for me. Maybe the manga he draws is underwear on top of his head so we can get panels of some side dick. I mean, that's possible. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, that, that would that would be right up your alley. You'd be good to go. <laughs> I need some side dick. I really love this show. It's got a great OP and a great ED. The staff of his office are all very funny. Uh, every woman he meets thinks he's hitting on him, and then in some roundabout way, they kind of think they're going on a date. And Hime is absolutely fucking adorable. I love the show. I It's one of the shows I'm very excited to watch every time it comes out. I can't wait to see. I can't wait to cry at the end. Yeah, I bought some tissues specifically for this show. As every episode goes on, I get a little, little more choked up. You better hold on to those tissues before we run out of toilet paper. You might need them. All right, next up, listeners streaming on Funimation and Hulu, question mark episodes. Uh, the studio is MAPA. Did a couple of shows that we've watched. Uh, Dororo is one of them. There's Kakigiri, which is the wild-ass gambling show on Netflix. And Zombieland Saga, which you're going to have to watch, Frank. The source is original. The Jones music. I'd say it's also a mech show as well, but music is what I have. The synopsis, in a world without music, Young Echo was there the day the legendary player Jimmy Stonefree and his mecha disappeared while fighting the mysterious earless. Ten years later, he meets an amnesic young girl named Mew, 
who has an input jack on her back. Could you be a player like Jimmy? Together, they set off on a journey to unravel her past and save humanity. Go ahead, Frank. So this show, for me, is kind of like, there's like two different sides of it. For the On the one end, we have kind of these fun, unique world building where we're getting these musical references from, you know, things that we know that I'm sure I'm missing some. But, like, you see things like Smashing Pumpkins, Purple Rain... Uh, you know, various other musical acts and sort of kind of winks and nods as they build out this world for us. And, you know, uh, we're finding out kind of what came before and what these players are and what they mean to the broader, broader world. I like that aspect a lot. I like the characters that they're introducing. Um, on the other end of it, you know, you like you had said, we kind of have this mech show where these players are they're, they're mech pilots essentially, and they're usually partnered up with kind of this mechanic uh, character. And the mechs, for me, kind of range from these mechs are boring looking in terms of design to okay, that's cool. And then we get the fights, which are we pretty much get one every episode. And the fights, to me, they're just kind of boring. They're just kind of there. I think out of the five we've watched so far, there was one fight where I was like, oh, okay, that's kind of cool. But for the most part, it just is it's just lacking a little bit in that department. And I feel like, for me, if that, if the mechs, the fights were a little bit cooler, the show would be a lot better for me. So I'm kind of like 50-50 on it right now. And we'll, we'll see where that goes and maybe if... Uh, the world-building aspect, the history, and kind of the musical winks and nods continue on. That might weigh out a little bit more if the battles continue to be kind of dull. I like the animation and colors. Um, there are a lot of music references, and as a music dork like myself, like I picked up a lot of them. Um, Teenage Fan Club, you said the Smashing Pumpkins one. I think one was for this... Indian band Fossils, because I couldn't figure out what the other one was. There's a Pink Fairies reference, which I got stoked on, because I do have a Pink Fairies tattoo. And then there was all the Prince Purple Rain stuff. And I know it's unfair to compare this to, like, Carol and Tuesday, who is our other music show that we've watched, since they have different concepts, but since they're both music shows, I'm going to do it anyway. Carol and Tuesday had originality with its story and characters, and Listeners has a basic story, but every episode so far has just been filled with music trivia, which I find a bit ham-handed, like it's hit me over the head with it, especially the Nirvana episode. Like I was, that was like even cheesy to the point. Although, to your thing about the mechs, I think that mech was pretty cool, the octopus one. But when it comes down, it's an okay show. Um, I'm hoping we get a little bit away from the music trivia stuff and more into like world building. There is a world, but I, there's lots of questions about it. But I think that they're just jamming this like Purple Rain and. You know, music stuff down my throat. I mean, we maybe it's the fact that we had like Nirvana episode followed by a Prince episode back to back that I was just kind of like, oh, really? come on, what are we doing here? Uh, I think you bring up a good point too about it's hard to kind of uh, if you've watched Carol on Tuesday not to compare the two because they are very similar in tone, and you know, I we both liked Carol on Tuesday, so it's kind of like I try to not do that, but it's almost hard because it. it it, it almost seems like listeners was like inspired by that, even though I'm sure that the production for this was was started before that show even kind of kind of took off. But yeah, I, I agree with you on that with the comparisons. All right, next up, 
Shachi Bato. President, it's time for battle. Or Shachu, Battle no Jikan Des. Streaming on Funimation, episodes 12. The studio C2C, who did Hitori Bochi, a show we covered. The source is a game. The genre fantasy. Synopsis. Based on a popular strategy game, Renato has become the new president of the Kibu Company. In order to be a good president and help the company grow, he must lead his party of adventurers through the gate and collect Kirakuri, a type of energy that is extremely valuable to the fund and fundamental to the city of Getipia. Getipia. Gatepia. However, there are other companies vying for the chance to gather Kitakuri. Frank it makes head. sense that the uh, it's the same studio that did his Horobochi because this anime comes off as a very wholesome one to me. Uh, it's completely unoffending. It lulls you into a very sense of calm security. You're kind of just floating and you're safe and everything's all right. Stakes are low enough where I don't really care, but not low enough where I'm uninterested. It definitely makes me want to play a like dungeon management type of game, which is, I mean, it makes sense. It's that's basically what the show is. And some of the gags are funny enough. Like uh, a couple episodes back, we got a a Cerebus, you know, a dog with three heads that was. Uh, Three, each head was a different management position, so you had kind of the boss, the middle manager, and sort of the uh, just the regular employee, which I thought was funny. Um, yeah, I mean, it's not... Uh, there's nothing really too crazy going for it one way or another. It's fine. I, I enjoy watching what I do. Uh, would I watch it if we didn't have to for the anime eh, probably not but it's one of those ones where i you know i, I use this term a lot but it's almost like a, cl- a cal or a, ah, palate cleansing show it's a nice one to kind of watch in between other things we had like five shows based on games this season to pick from and this is the one we're watching uh it's fine i'm not really interested in the story I will be honest, I'm more interested in, in all of the girls' thighs, if you know what I'm saying. Because there's some thighs on this show. We got some big bottoms. You know what I'm talking about? Uh, <laughs> but besides that, I, I don't really care. I like that. I like that. I like to I like to think that your notes just say big bottoms. <laughs> they, I, I know I, they do. With pink <laughs> in all caps. Next up. Sing Yesterday for Me, or Yesterday Will Utate, uh, streaming on Crunchyroll, episodes 12. Interesting thing I found on uh, researching this. The first 12 episodes will be are airing on television in Japan and streaming simultaneously on Abema TV, which is like a paid network. And the last six episodes will only be available through the streaming service Abema TV, so I'm unsure if we'll get them on Crunchyroll. Maybe they'll treat it like an OVA and stream it eventually, I don't know. So that's a nice little question to leave out there. The studio is Dogakobo, who we've talked about before. The manga, it's uh, by K. Tume. It's from the 90s. She wrote it in the 90s. The genre, drama, romance, seinen, slice of life. Synopsis. K. Tume's 18-year youth ensemble classic gets its long-awaited anime adaptation. A story of love and humanity following four boys and girls trying to live their best lives through hardship and turmoil in a small town on a private rail line just outside of Shinjuku. Major, minor understandings lead 
to big complications and their various feelings become entangled. A story of daily life lived 49% looking back and 51% looking forward. Ahead, the show is a bit of a slow burn. You know, we got a solid group of characters that are slowly growing on me. Uh, I feel like each character is realistic and uh, relatable to a lot of people. You probably can find yourself in at least one of these characters. Um, it definitely kind of has a 90s vibe to it, so it does make sense that it was written written in the 90s. Um, it'll be... I, I This show is... I'm waiting to see, like, the full picture of it. It's a little bit harder to kind of hone in right now at where it's at. I'm enjoying it. I think it could go either way, and it's definitely something that I kind of have to uh, take a step back from and look at the whole picture once we get it, hopefully if we do, um, to kind of see where I'm at on it. But so far, uh, it's it's enjoyable. I, I, I like checking in with the characters every week. Yeah, we've gone through a story arc revolving or about the grief of losing a boyfriend and then, you know, losing, a.k.a. dying. Uh, then we have some people in love with the wrong people, possibly. And I want to get why um, Rico and Crow Girl are where they are now. Like, what's going on? I think we'll find out everything about everyone. Like, we've worked, we worked through the one character. We're going to work through all these characters eventually by the end of it. Hopefully we get to see the whole thing. I am enjoying the show very much. Uh, Rico, or Vico, is a dick. That guy sucks. <laughs> like, he needs he needs to come up at some point, because I don't know why Crow, or Haru, the Crow Girl, likes him at all. I don't understand. I know why other people don't. I don't understand what she sees in him. Love makes you blind, Jim. You know? <laughs> yeah, sure it does. I guess when you're a teenager. All right, next up. Tower of God, or Kami no Toll. Streaming on Crunchyroll. Episodes 13. The studio's Telecom Animation and Film. Uh, they did the Lupin the Third films. Orange. Chain Chronicle films. The sources of Digital Manhwa, which is a Korean uh, comic, by SIU, or SIU. Uh, Jones. Action, adventure, drama, fantasy, and mystery. Synopsis. Reach the top, and everything will be yours. At the top of the tower exists everything in this world, and all of it can be yours. You can become a god. This is the story of the beginning of and the end of Rachel, the girl who climbed the tower so she could see the stars. And bam, the boy who needed nothing but her. Frank, uh, this show reminds me of a young adult novel, something in the vein of, uh, if you haven't read any, you probably have seen like Hunger Games or uh, what's the other one, Maze Runner, something like that. Um, it seems to be the start of something that could go on for a long time. We're kind of getting a small taste of what this world is, and it's it's expanding slowly. We don't know how big the tower is. We don't know, you know, where, what these weapons are. We don't know what these powers are. They kind of just throw you in, which I like, and it does a good good job of giving us enough kind of, of that shown-in battle, but not too much. Uh, and the mystery of what is going on is enough to keep me intrigued. The I had a complaint about the animation, kind of the art style. It's still iffy to me, but I think it's growing on me. It's not as noticeable as it was when I first watched it. 
which I can't say whether or not that is me just getting adjusted to it or if I'm even starting to like it. I don't know. Um, this show, uh, I like it. I like it so far. I'm interested to see where it goes. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's, it's not bad. This is Crunchyroll's big push of the season. Um, I like casts of weird races and characters. There is mystery and a bunch of unanswered questions, not only about the characters, but also about the world itself. And it's enough questions to keep me interested in the show. That OP is, oh boy, is that bad. Oof. It's, I guess it's supposed to be like inspiring to fight, fight, we gotta fight. It is, that is trash balls. I do like the ED with its auto tune. It's a fine show. I don't know. We'll see how it goes. But like I said, there's a lot of questions and I just want to see how these people got to where they are. But I, I, like you said, I think this might be going on for a long time. I think, I think we might be hooked in for a few seasons of the show. All right. I think last night. Yeah, no, I, I definitely agree. And there's like a lot of questions where we don't even really know. I don't think it's explored much even outside of the tower. Like for all we know, the tower could just be their world. So there's like there's there's a lot of questions. There's enough intrigue there, and I think you're right. I and mean, with Crunchyroll pushing it, I feel like at the very least we're gonna get a couple seasons of it before they even bother to you know cancel it or what have you. I, I think they're in it for the long haul. Yeah, we when it comes to the physical, like we don't know if this is the physical world, like what's going on. Like I don't, they call it a tower, but we haven't seen the tower from the outside to say that. You know, it's what we defined as a tower. You know, so I don't know. Lots of questions. Last on our list, I believe it's last on our list. It is last on our list. <laughs> to me, or Nami yo Kite Kure. It's streaming on Funimation. There's 12 episodes. Studio is Sunrise. Uh, did Sunrise did all the Gundam stuff and Kogias, which we reviewed. Go listen. Uh, the source of the manga by Hiroaki Samura. He did Blade of the Immortal. The Jones. Comedy, drama, romance, and seinen. The stage is Sapporo Hokkaido. One night, our heroine, Minari Koda, spills her heartbroken woes to a radio station worker she meets while out drinking one night. The next day, she hears a recording of her pitiful grumbling being played live over the air. Minari storms into the station in a rage, only to, be, only to then be duped by the radio station director into doing an impromptu talk show while explaining her harsh dialogue. With just one recording, the many eccentric facets of Minari's life begin to pull every which direction as she falls ever deeper into the world of radio. Franco, go this ahead. This is a show that I am going to flag as one that I want to pay attention to next when we revisit, when we do a wrap-up for the season, because I'm smack dab in the middle about whether or not I like this show or not. Uh, Minare is, she, she's a relatable character, I think, and she is funny at times, but at times I find her very annoying. Um, there's some jokes that are, like, laugh-out-loud funny. Uh, one in particular with her getting blacked-out drunk and thinking she stumbles home and puts her shoes on, and the reveal is something that is, uh, is much different than, than that, I thought was, like, hilarious. Uh, I have a complaint about, which I think you had covered when we first touched on this show, Jim, is that they do have a lot of jokes that are written out, and they fly by on the screen. Not a big deal, because you can get away with just pausing it and reading it and what have you. 
But even as somebody who uh, I'm sure is able to read things quickly, it, it's just not designed in a way for you to be able to catch it. Like, you have to pause it. I don't know how anyone else could read it, because sometimes there's, like, paragraphs. Um, not a not a big thing, minor complaint, but it is something that happens almost every episode, enough for me to note it. And, uh, I, like I said, I, I don't know whether or not I hate or love this show. At times it seems very endearing and funny and charming, and at other times it just kind of seems annoying. It's 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 a strange one for me, and probably the one I had the most trouble with trying to come up with my thoughts for for this show. So I don't know. I, I'll check back with me at the end of the season, and I'll have a better understanding of where I'm at with it. What do you think, Jim? Frank, we got a show about adults. It's rare these days. We usually have to te- handle teenagers all the time. There is, there are many Japan specific pop culture references that need a little explaining. And apparently the manga has like way like has so many more in all the footnotes. Uh, uh, there was a sweet amba- as a Tokusatsu fan. There was a sweet Ambassador Magma uh, joke, which is a Space Giants reference. Uh, there's Western references. They talked about it that uh, when she's doing her show, she's talking about it looked like the food pile looked like Mont Saint Michel. That's a French monastery that looks like a giant pile of poop. Which I got. I was like, oh shit. Some of them you have to look. You legit have to look some of them up. Uh, I was very excited about the show, and I love everything about it. The OP and the ED, the characters, the environment, Sapporo, which is a change of pace from our usual like Fantasy World or Tokyo shows. Uh, the main character is kind of a piece of shit. And speaking of shits, a turtle shits in her mouth. I laughed my fucking ass off at that. Uh, she sucks. She legit sucks. But she is endearing and encouraging almost, and but she's the butt of the, almost all the jokes. So she sucks, but she gets her comeuppance regularly. She's made to look like a piece of shit. I love the show, and I cannot wait to read the manga. I'm very excited. I love it. Well, there we go. Yeah, I, I, I can't tell. I guess that that's part of the character, right? Is that I can't tell whether or not I love or hate her because sometimes she just does stuff that's just like, what what the hell are you doing? I, I will say, like, yeah, the turtle shitting in her mouth was, was a laugh-out-loud moment for me. <laughs> she's a piece of shit. I mean, you're supposed yeah. to think she's a piece of shit. She sucks. I mean, that's that's it. I mean, but like I said, like, there's some characters that suck. And they just suck. And this girl sucks, but <laughs> she's always the butt end of the joke. So, you know what I mean? Like, she's going to constantly suck, and I don't think she's ever going to change. I think her character's supposed to be 26 years old at this point. I mean, maybe she'll change. I don't know. I love it. I think it's so good. And it's, you know, it's a show about radio. When are we ever going to have another show about radio? All right, Frank. Would you rank your shows from best to worst, in your opinion, so far this season? What you got? All right. Got Kaguya-sama, Love is War, Season 2 is... Uh, I got... Kakushigoto, Fruits Basket, Season 2. I have... Tower of God, Listeners, Sing Yesterday for Me, Artie, Wave Listen to Me, A Hero No Sora, Gleipner, uh... <laughs> Shachi Bato, President, It's Time for Battle, Gal and Dinosaur at the very end. I put uh, Apape Ranme as kind of an asterisk because I, I personally I think we're not going to see any more of this show, so I just kind of put it out there. What about you, Jim? 
I've got at the top, Wave Listen to Me. Then I've got Kaguya-sama Love is War, Kakushi Goto, Sing Yesterday for Me, Fruits Basket Season 2, Diary of Our Days at the Breakwater. I've got Gleipner, Arte, Apari Ranman. Once again, we've only had three episodes. But I think they're, I think it's better than <laughs> these other shows. Tower of God, Listeners, Gallon Dinosaur, and at the bottom, Shachibato, President, It's Time for Battle. And as a note, uh, if you listen to our selection show, we had um, the millionaire detective, Balance Unlimited, but that's been pushed back to summer. So we'll come back and handle that when the time comes. So what do you got planned for the rest of the day, Frank? I am going to go for a run. It is it is very yeah. beautiful outside in Philadelphia right now. It's I think like 70 degrees. Uh, I'm gonna go for a run and uh, see where the day takes me. Probably nowhere else. Probably just into my home uh, watching a movie or something. But uh, what about you, Jim? It's a little windy out there. I know that it's like a pollen warning. We get pollen warnings now. You know, it's a pollen warning. So if you have allergies, take your allergy medicine. But I, uh, I'm going to do my daily push-ups. I'm going to cook, do my meal prep for the week. And I have a big day of cleaning fans. I have to clean all the fans off in the house because it was a little warm last night. And uh, these fans is dusty, and they got to be dusted off. Sounds, sounds riveting. Sounds like it's going to be a good good day. COVID-19 <laughs> life, that's what it is. I'm wondering, I said this to my wife last night. I wonder if I'm going to be able to go back to work. I've moved into this weird daily chores routine am i ever going to want to go back to work i kind of enjoy doing daily chores and i said to her i was like she's like oh do you want to sit down and watch tv the other day and i'm like you gotta understand my day of work doesn't start until you get home i have to make dinner i have to do the dishes i have to prepare your meal for tomorrow (laughs) i don't do shit all day until you come home and now i have to work so i don't know if i can sit down but i will watch some more uh buffy the vampire slayer tonight Hopefully I'll have season two done by next Monday. We can nice. talk about it. All right. Thanks for joining us this week. Once again, please share us with your friends and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at NewTakuCast. Send us questions at show requests. Our email is NewTaku2019 at gmail.com, and we'll talk about them on the air. Listen to us on Podbean, Apple and Google Podcasts, Stitcher, and Spotify, and please subscribe and share. Till next time, I'm Jim. And I'm Frank. And Ganbate. Ganbate.